0: Not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. So while it's good to talk about serious things, it's just as important and just as American to have some fun. Now, let's have some fun.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Leaning Middle. I'm Eric and I'm Brian. And today we're going to be taking a look at the future of the Republican Party, what it looks like now that Trump has left the White House. There's a lot of debate which direction it'll take to try to regroup around establishment figures like Romney and McConnell or fracture into two separate entities, one favoring more of the Trumpist approach and the others favoring more of the traditional conservative approach. There's a lot to discuss here. And I think a lot of people are really worried about this development. What do you think, Brian?
0: Uh, I agree with you. Uh, There's a lot of people that are confused as to where do they actually fall in the Republican Party? Uh, You know, A lot of, of Republicans are just trying to figure out where their home is right now. And, yeah. you know, the, what does this look like moving forward? I think that's the question that everybody's asking right now. And a lot of it depends on really what, what Trump's next play is going to be. And, and I think we're going to have to wait just a little bit before we can see what his next play is going to be, um, which, you know, kind of makes for some boring reporting uh, for a lot of these news outlets, because, uh, you know, you and I were talking earlier. It's a different environment now. It's slower pace. It's uh, a little bit calmer. There's not. It's not as divisive. But there's still a lot of, a lot of uh, brooding going on, and a lot of um, movement going underneath the radar that uh, will pop its ugly head again. And we just got to see where where it mm-hmm. lands. But you know, I, I like when we talked about doing this this episode. One of the things I wanted to do was in order to know where you're going, you got to know where you've been or where you're starting. Mm -hmm. And so what I wanted Mm -hmm. to do was really kind of run down, uh, what the GOP stands for and the the history of the GOP real quick. Uh, also I'll start
1: with a quick disclaimer to remind everybody that the parties did have a platform switch in the, uh, the 1960s there. So keep that in mind, everybody. Uh, there was, there was the big flip, um, So remember that moving forward. But yes, the modern, modern history of the GOP.
0: Yes. So the GOP stands for the Grand Old Party, uh, which is one of two contemporary political parties in the United States. Um, It was founded in 1850. I was just reading it. My finger slipped on here and my iPad just shot up. Uh, It was (laughs) away from all the results. It was uh, founded by Abraham Lincoln. Um, it was also founded by um, some other ones like uh, Ulysses S. Grant and some some um, some other um, political parties there or political uh, players. Sorry, I, I was trying to scroll back up to it. I don't know what <laughs> happened here, but uh, it was. Um, Let's see. Abraham Lincoln was the first Republican president under the leadership of Lincoln and the Republican Congress. Uh, slavery was banned. That was the first step for the Republican Party. Um, you know, then one of the big ones was the New Deal era um, with Franklin uh, controlled American politics for most of the next three decades, including two term presidency of Republican Dwight D. Yes. Eisenhower. Um that was, was pretty significant as well, but really the 21st century, what is it, what does it look like? And that really starts with George W. Bush and and Dick Cheney and the way that they handled um, a lot of their, um, their moments in the presidency. Um, The, the, and then it kind of evolves and, and kind of goes from there. So some of the things that, that really, um, I wanted to know when we were doing this was what exactly does it stand for? Because, you know, I consider myself a um, fiscal responsible person, and, and that sometimes puts me in, a little bit more in line with the Republican Party. I also consider myself a business um, person, mm-hmm. and that sometimes puts me in line with the Republican Party. But I didn't really know why. I just knew that that's where I was supposed to be because these are some of the things that I believe in. So I really wanted to look at these. And Republicans believe that free markets and individual achievement are the primary factors behind economic mm-hmm. prosperity. Mm-hmm. They, they want more fiscal conservatism and they want, um, they want the freedom to be able to do whatever we want to do in business and let, let the free markets drive the yeah. economy. Um, the environmental policies and jump in there if you add add to these, but, you know, uh, honestly, more modern Republicans advocate for the theory of supply side economics, which holds that lower. Um, and so many Republicans oppose higher tax rates for higher earners, which they believe are unfairly targeted at those who create jobs and wealth. That I did not know.
1: Yes, that was. They are the big believers in trickle down economics, specifically, too. Is that idea that, you know, don't tax the higher wealthy class because that wealth will trick or de- trickle down to the lower class?
0: Yeah. Uh, they believe that private spending is more. Government spending. I would say the jury's still out on that. Yes, one. absolutely. <laughs> So um, then, let's see, then we move into, um, oh, most Republicans oppose the increase of the minimum wage, believing that such increases hurt businesses by forcing them to cut and outsource jobs while passing on costs to consumers. Mm -hmm. See, uh, you know, that's that's the hot topic right now with Biden in there wanting to increase minimum wage to fifteen dollars yeah and
1: it's weird because the only thing biden was really lobbying for initially was government contractors especially too so it wasn't you know any anything that they had planned like they couldn't force the national the the national minimum wage to be fifteen dollars without legislation so i think um mm-hmm. There's a lot of worry about that. But considering the power, broking, power brokering agreements not even settled in Congress and they haven't even seated the latest session, I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of debate. I think having a national mandated $15 minimum wage is a long shot um, across the board. But what Biden has done is taken that executive order and mandated it that any government employees have
0: meet that minimum
1: wage standard.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's see if you can guess this one. I'll I'll be interested to see if you can nail it. Environmental policies. Uh, I think it,
1: it would just kind of fall back on the free market, like deregulate and then hope that capitalism will produce somebody to try to offset the issues of other producers. Kind of like you know we have issues with carbon technology now, so they would hope that the free market then produces carbon capturing companies, something along those lines.
0: Yeah, the the Republican Party actually rejects cap and trade policies to limit carbon emissions.
1: That makes sense. I mean, they don't they don't really believe in climate change. I think is the is the ease you know in kind of the national sentiment, especially at the highest level you know especially the people that we're seeing most often i don't want to make sweeping generalities here but for senators house of representative members and even the most recent republican president they all um are very skeptical with uh the human's impact on climate change and whether you know we can really change course and if we're having an effect despite you know all science disagreeing with them that is that is the kind of the stance that they've taken
0: yeah, it says here the um, the Center for American Progress, a nonprofit uh, advocacy group, uh, says that more than 55 percent of congressional Republicans were climate change deniers.
1: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And then even those that aren't denying it, you know, there's the debate of, OK, well, how much, you know, is – man really having an impact or humans having an impact on climate change or is this a natural cycle that the earth goes through like ice ages and stuff like that so there is even within climate change deniers you know it's like i don't know where that group would fall if they would be in that 55 percent or categorized as like a climate curious i don't know but
0: yeah so one of the other ones is immigration what where, where do you think they fall on immigration
1: I would say pretty strict immigration control, worry about who you have in the country immediately, or at least that's the official stance they would take.
0: You know, actually, before the 1970s, they were very um, pro-immigration. Interesting. And because um, they wanted to see um, more of the Labor Party to, to grow. Hmm.
1: Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when was that? But uh,
0: before 1970. Before 1970.
1: So it was really around 1970.
0: Yeah. Yep. It, it switched over. But, uh, you know, in uh, 2013, 60% of Republicans supported a pathway to immigration. Hmm. It makes sense. So, it, which is down now. Yeah. Uh, It's just it is interesting to think.
1: um, No, just more recently, you know, we've seen more Republicans get a little more concerned about um, union and labor jobs, you know, especially with Biden's executive order halting the construction of the pipeline, um, coming down from Alberta there that has raised a lot of warning signs, you know, Ted Cruz really gave Pete Buttigieg, or I guess I should say attempted to give Pete Buttigieg the business in his confirmation hearing about those jobs being lost. And it's kind of, you know, it's, I understand the sentiment, but it really loses, um, all of its meaning when you kind of look at Ted Cruz's voting records in terms of, uh, unions and labor rights. So, I I think, again, you know, they'll fall into these things, but I think they're they're really fighting this public perception that they only fall into these things when it benefits them or benefits, you know, an individual's career to try to act like they're on a certain side of things. And I think, you know, we'll get into kind of deeper what modern day looks like. But I think that's one of the crises that they're facing as a party.
0: Uh, One of them. Um, The next one is uh, foreign policy and national defense. Um, Republicans uh, frequently advocated for restricting foreign aid as a means of asserting national security and immigration mm-hmm. interests of the United States. Um, but they've also they've been very strong, strong for defense and alliances. That's the one and... I just
1: cannot understand.
0: You know, uh, it, it just blows
1: my mind. Especially, you know, currently getting my master's in international relations, kind of focusing on global conflict there is a really it just kind of boggles my mind that the idea of not wanting to give foreign aid um to other countries you know i think the most famous example that's fresh in everybody's memory is trump saying you know we want to retract from the world health organization like we don't we don't need to be in these agreements that benefit people that aren't our direct allies and you know what i have to right. say to that is just when you know when we when we work on enhancing countries that are still developing infrastructure you know um it helps benefit everybody it's like where do a lot of these um you know unknown diseases come from usually rural communities or countries that lack healthcare infrastructure you know maybe like central africa we're seeing the ebola come out of uh the ebola outbreak come out of the democratic republic of the congo so it's you know when we have that money and we're giving it to foreign aid we're actually protecting ourselves in the long term and that's something i never really understood with the republican platform is why would we want to build up our military but then leave ourselves defenseless to you know not direct violent threats it is uh that's yeah yeah, that's always a problem that i've had personally so
0: Well, and and it's interesting. I mean, it's it's the old the old situation where the the rich guy comes in and has so much money and is throwing it around. You don't really want to you don't like the guy, but you don't really want to do anything to make him mad because you don't want to bite the hand that's feeding you. either. And that's really with some of these smaller countries, they might we might not be in an alliance with them, but they're not going to do anything against us either because they don't want to risk the aid, the The aid that the United States provides is a form of alliance. It is a form of treaties. It is a form of managing hostile areas without policy. No,
1: and you you hit the nail on the head, and it's funny because – When the uh, the omnibus bill for funding the government, as well as the second stimulus package that resulted in the six hundred dollar direct payments, when that was being discussed, I I think like a hot point that a lot of people pulled out of that bill and turned into a meme was the fact that we were sending Pakistan ten million dollars for gender studies. And, you know, on the nose, I get it, you know, with with America struggling and. With the amount of uh, economic despair, you know, majority of the countries in right now. Yeah, that looks really, really terrible on the nose to be saying we're going to give $10 million for gender studies. But then the flip side of that coin is, are we OK with how predominantly Muslim countries treat their women? You know, are we okay with that? Is that what we want to set as a precedent moving forward? Or do we want to fund these nations with programs that help equality and help women have, um, you know, better access to everything from healthcare to education in these underdeveloped nations? So it is, there's always a catch-22. You know, arguments can be made both ways. Whereas, yes, you know, it might seem super crazy and maybe even a little leftist to fund something like gender studies. You know, it's worth remembering that gender studies in Pakistan are probably, you know, 80, if not 100 years behind um, where the United States is, even though they've elected a woman president before we did. She did yeah. get assassinated, no, I, though, absolutely. for full
0: transparency. So it's not like it worked out. But. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, okay. So moving on, because I know there's quite a bit that you wanted to get to as well. Um, civil rights. Um, It was Republicans are generally against affirmative action for women and minorities, often describing it as a quota system. Um, And Republicans support race neutral admissions policies to universities, but support taking into action social and economic status of students.
1: Yeah. I've Um, I've always kind of been on the fence with that one personally. I mean, I. I think it's positive i then again you know i I've been fortunate enough to be able to get um admission to a lot of the universities that I wanted to pursue education at, so it's I'm probably not the best focal point to ask from personal experience, but you know I think uh in my mind affirmative action is is fine you know it's helping make things more equitable, but at the flip side, I can absolutely understand you know if you're somebody who worked your entire life and um you know, invested in yourself and your extracurriculars and your grades, and then you find out you're not admitted to your dream college just because you're white that, you know, that's hard. That then again, you know, all you can really do is guess because at the same time, um, Exactly. They're not disclosing to anybody that saying like, oh, you know, we had to let in the affirmative action quote and that's why you didn't get accepted. So, you know, that's the other flip side of it is where are these resentments really coming from?
0: Yeah. Um, Social policies. The uh, Republican Party is generally associated with uh, associated with social conservative policies and traditional values, such as opposition to the same sex marriage abortion and marijuana and most conservative republicans also oppose gun control affirmative action and illegal immigration so there's kind of the core of it right there for you yeah it's interesting i mean it's about um, about
1: what i expected across the board there um but it's interesting now because we've seen a shift from some of those policies and we've also seen doubling down on others so um modern day well and
0: and, well and and that's the key is you know with this new wave of of republicans coming in and and more and more just social normality is their stance on same-sex marriage going to change and is there you know more and more states are um voting to allow marijuana to be legalized so you know, are you going to start seeing some of these politicians who are typically more concerned about re-election and campaigning than than what they're actually doing up there? Are they going to start changing a narrative here pretty quick uh, to kind of address some of these social policies? Because the younger generation coming into actual play for politicians right now, in my opinion, are going to be a little bit more um, center-leaning on this one um, and a little bit more um okay with it in, in I agree opinion.
1: and I think the Republican Party does know that to a degree. They understand that they're gonna have to make concessions on a lot of the social movements that they've been trying to oppose. You know, at yeah. the end of the day, it's yeah. just it is what it is. Like I spe- you know coming from myself as a millennial, it's like you know, transgender individuals, um homosexual or just non, you know, cis conforming Individuals like that is it. I just could not care less, and I don't say that in a way where right. it's like I don't, you know, I, I I deny their plight in any way. But it's like for me, I I truly think it's the most embarrassing thing in the world that half the country is upset of what somebody wants to do with their own autonomy, and it all that's where I get worked up too. Because when you're looking at a lot of these social issues. The only real defense somebody has for being against them falls back into some kind of religious where, you know, a religious belief of some kind where, you know, you're born a man or you're born a woman, X, Y, Z. And not only is that biologically incorrect, it's just a clear violation of church and state, not in the constitutional way, but in the way that, you know, you really shouldn't let your religious influences dictate social causes, Because we're a nation with freedom of religion. You know, anybody can believe in anything. And just because your God happens to believe that there's only two biological sexes, it, you know, it doesn't dispute the fact that scientifically there's more. And then also there's more study being done on it as well. So I think overall the Republicans know that this, that's a losing battle. They're trying their best to kind of shore up where they can. Because they're really their base is very much tied to evangelical Christianity movement in America. And if they don't respect that base and champion the beliefs of that base, it's going to fall out. You know, I don't know necessarily where they would go. I think it would be like a lot of more progressive liberals these days just voting for Biden because it's the best chance that they had. I think that would would probably happen in the GOP, too, if they turned away from some more evangelical beliefs. But at the end of the day, it's like that is what di- is dictating a lot of this platform. And they know that society is just naturally going to progress by it. You know, civil rights, equality. Yeah. It's, you know, it's very easy to just look back only 60 years ago. You know, that's when the first black child went to a white school. Like it is, she's alive still. Like it's, it's something to keep in mind that it's like, it wasn't that long ago and we've already progressed this far and it's not going to boomerang back around. It's just going to keep going. So I think they know that in terms of concessions, social stuff's very small, you know, they're much more worried about the fiscal um things that they're trying to get past or avoid getting past depending on who's in the white house at the time.
0: Yeah. It, it's really funny. They really try to skim past the social side of everything and put the focus on taxes and immigration and gun control and, and some of those those topics. So you can really tell what they want to talk about versus what they really don't want to get into the the argument on. Um, the next one real quick is uh, civil rights. Uh, they generally or yep, no, yep. I already said that one. Sorry. Gun gun ownership. Republicans. Generally support gun ownership rights and oppose laws regulating guns. Party members and Republican-leaning independents are twice more twice more likely to own a gun than a Democrat or Democratic-leaning. And independent. you know it's a fun
1: fact is um, they're also therefore twice as likely to kill themselves or their family with a gun by just owning one. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a liberal. Yeah, I gotta just speak up sometimes. (laughs) But um, no, jokes aside, I am, um, I'm a big supporter of the Second Amendment. um, But I also am a big supporter in, you know, taking our gun policy and giving it a little more taste of regulation, I I think, you know, it just confuses me. They're so everybody's so scared every time a Democrats in the White House that they're going to take the guns or remove the guns, and you know, when you just stop and look at voting record, well, Trump passed more anti gun legislation than Obama did in four versus eight
0: years. That's what I was about to bring yeah, up.
1: So it's like that's where yeah. we start to get a little bit of the hypocrisy popping up too, where it's like, man, you know what? What do they really believe in? Or is it, OK, we're going to say this, look over here, look over here. And then while you're distracted, we're going to, you know, pass whatever's needed to at the at the moment. And I was totally in favor of what Trump mm-hmm. signed away. I think things like bump stocks are just unnecessary. You know, if a gun isn't deadly enough for you, then I you know, you probably want to look into why you need a, a better gun. gun.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Drugs. Republicans historically supported the war on drugs, as well as opposing the legalization and decriminalization of drugs, including marijuana. Um, we we kind of discussed that one okay lgbt yeah we don't
1: need to go down that because that connects to the prison industrial pipeline but um <laughs> that's a whole episode on its own maybe a patreon one in the future
0: <laughs> yeah um republicans have historically been opposed to same-sex marriage while being divided on civil unions and domestic partnerships with the issue being one that many believed helped george w bush win re-election in 2004 so this is one that really kind of ties back into the social um, aspect of it as well. But in, in my opinion, you know, what you tend to see happen more often is more of is, the
1: – It's much more fiscal, actually, because they're not about – they don't care about the civil unions, but they really care as soon as tax breaks get involved. Because yes. that's the difference between your civil unions and your marriages is if they're not going to allow marriages of same-sex couples, they can't reap the tax benefits of it right? or the other protections like adoptions and things along those
0: lines. So – but a lot of what, what you see here – well, and and I'm going to save some of this because I want to do a whole episode on this this particular subject right here. But a lot of what you see here is – This is where the evangelical Christian side of the Republican Party really comes out. And Mm -hmm. the Republican Party has done things such as, um, you know, being opposed to the inclusion of gay people in the military and being opposed to adding sexual orientation to the list of protected classes. Um, And Biden just repealed one of these. Right.
1: Yes. And I wanted to kind of talk on that whole transgender military ban is it's not as groundbreaking as it really seems. Um, You know, a lot of the Trump policies around that were actually put into place to basically assure that if somebody who was um, identifying as transgender joined the military, they couldn't make the military pay for their reassignment surgery down the road. That was kind of the protections put into place by Mattis. But then it ended up being more of a blanket ban. And it is also important to say that these extended into the Obama era as well. You know, these were not new Trump policies. And that's what I think a lot of the major papers are reporting wrong today is what Biden did was great. You know, he kind of de-escalated and said anybody, you know, who is um, basically identifies as anything is able to serve in the military. And I think that's important. And I'm very interested to see how the new uh, defense secretary uh, handles that moving forward to see what costs can be protected from those who are transitioning or planning on transitioning and if the military will fund that. You know, I don't know enough about cost, prices, what that process is like to really comment on it, but... It was um, it was definitely a a pretty grim day to show that, you know, a lot of news outlets are definitely anti-Trump leaning, as I think we saw a big um, display of that today with this whole transgender executive order from Biden.
0: Yeah. So that's that's pretty much who we're we're looking at here. Uh, Big defense, big business, stay out of our lives, smaller government social we're going to try to gloss over as much as we can immigration we're not the biggest fans on on immigration and uh don't mess with our guns yes
1: or okay. you know that's how you can kind of sum it up but then that's where we get into the weird
0: that's where we got this episode
1: exactly where you start to hit the point of okay So if they're about staying out of our lives, let me do what I want, then how does the ban on abortion and the um, kind of basically almost fetish with women's health care pop up in the Republican Party? Because it kind of in my mind, that goes against, you know, small government. It's like you're actively making the government involved in probably the most intimate process a woman could go through. But that's not too big. You know, that's not overreach. And that's what starts to confuse me is where the sway of the evangelical Christian in the platform actually then gets in and changes core beliefs of the party value in some instances. Democrats are just as guilty and we should do a full episode going down kind of – their future as well after this one. But it is something that a lot of people are starting to notice that the rhetoric and the core belief values aren't matching up. And I think that was fracturing before Donald Trump. But obviously, you know, he is your uh, match on the pile of gasoline.
0: Yeah, it's what we're talking about today is nothing new. And I think there's a lot of people who are just tuning in to the political landscape that are are really attributing a lot of change to Donald Trump, and I think yes. that's a, an unfair assessment of the situation because a lot of this has been Agreed. in motion. Um, yes, it's
1: always been in motion, and what Trump did was two things. Um, he he used you know not measured rhetoric. So he didn't ever really try to hide what he was doing behind making it sound good to appeal to a broader base. He was very cut and dry. This is how it's going to be. And that offended a lot of people. And I think in a lot of cases they were (laughs) right to be offended. But then the flip side of that is, um, you know what? I just forgot what I was going to say. Let me think.
0: Let me see if it comes back to me. It happens to the best of us. Yeah. It's, you know, for me, the, the Republican Party in the direction that it, it is heading is a complicated question because unlike any other time in the Republican Party, it's fracturing. It, you have different um, different developments and, and groups that are, are coming into play. And you have, you know, some of the the more hardcore conservative ones are, you know, part of the log cabin republicans and uh but right Uh, now
1: that's not the right term log um, cabin republicans are homosexual republicans
0: oh okay i'm sorry i was reading this wrong then (laughs) yep you're right you're right so uh maybe they're not going that direction but um right now you have um conservatives centrists fiscal conservatives libertarians neoconservatives paleoconservatives right-wing populists social conservatives i mean Ah,
1: yeah you actually just reminded me of what i was going to say there when you said populist and that's what why i think so many people hated trump is he did what a lot of gentleman politics didn't allow in the past which is my frustration with the democratic party um you know trump did exactly what he needed to do to see the policies that he wanted to enact enacted you know he he abused the political processes and used the loopholes where he could And and he bypassed it
0: most of the time. Yeah.
1: And not in a, not even necessarily in a negative way, in a way that's very savvy and it upset a lot of people, but you know, and it's like, that's my personal beef watching Chuck Schumer be like, Oh, I'm not going to say I'm not going to get rid of the filibuster. And I was like, dude, I was like, just tell McConnell, you're not going to get rid of it and then get rid of it. You know, it's like play hardball, just, just like the other side did to you for the last, You know, your lifetime in Senate, it's like finally have the balls to play the game. So, you know, it's like I don't agree with any of Trump's policies almost across the board outside of, you know, a handful of them. But that being said, you can't fault him for using the tools at his disposal that, you know, the government was set up to be used. It's just he was finally the one who said, I'm not going to try to be polite to execute, you know, my beliefs. And unfortunately, a lot of those beliefs ended up being discriminatory.
0: Well, and but a lot of those are some somewhat not necessarily discriminatory as much as um, baseline. More of a rightist approach than we thought he was. Yeah. Does does that make does that make sense? It's discrimination is. As somebody told me last week, discrimination is in the, uh, the eye of the beholder. You know, if, if they say it and they believe it, then they're not being discriminatory. It, just because you don't like what they're saying or what they stand for, that's when you call them discriminatory. And... Yeah, I don't
1: agree with that, but I can see how somebody would kind of perceive it. That who Who is
0: being called discriminative? Because is, is, uh, that was the exact conversation. What they were leaning towards was... Uh, really, really, really discriminating, and I called them out on it, and then they kind of proceeded to come back to me on that one but a uh-huh. lot of a lot of what you're seeing there is um a lot of these Republicans have woken up to a Republican party that they don't recognize and and they're confused and they're willing to listen to anybody who calls themselves a Republican leader right now.
1: It's very easy to adopt the Republican ethos currently. You know, it's it's obstructionist. It's slowing. It's against anybody who's against the, the, the Democrats, you know, and that's where I think the Republican parties and, you know, I should say both parties have created a mess for themselves is there's a great deal of people on the left who are only focused on. Not letting the conservative agenda, you know, move forward. And it's the exact same thing on the flip side with the GOP not wanting any kind of democratic agenda to move forward. And there's you know, we're really losing a lot of the people who did, you know, were able to work in the center. Your Mitt Romney's, your John McCain's. I mean, even, you know, well, I was about to say Mitch McConnell, but I didn't. But um, <laughs> You know, senators like that or other, you know, senators like the gentleman out of West Virginia, his name's escaping me, or Biden when he was a senator during when he was vice president, is they were always willing to walk across the aisle to try to do what was best for the nation. And I think really, you know, after the 2000 election with the hanging chads and the Supreme Court having to ultimately decide it, that's when we really start started to see some militant partisanship. And I think we're at a we're at a head now where, man, you know, we have more people focused on defeating the other side rather than recognizing the other side being healthy is is just as important for our democracy as, you know, passing the agenda of whatever side you're on. Uh,
0: you know, and you bring up some really good points and, and you know, I I agree with you in in ninety nine percent of what what you said my, what, what I keep going back to, and and I keep asking myself this is where, and I think this is what a lot of people are are asking themselves is where do I fall because what I believed a, a short time ago doesn't seem to even be there anymore, and I think what what you have is you have a a Republican Party that is disintegrating in in front of your eyes right now, and a lot of people don't really know where to go and when you don't know where to go you lash out and yeah. and you you form cliques and you form groups and gangs and and everything else and i think you know the the infighting and and just the overall aggression is coming from frustration yeah Be- have a group of who have not been um, listened to in a long long time, they have a voice and they don't want to give that voice up. And I think mm-hmm. I think what you're seeing right yeah. now is the old guard, the, uh, the gentlemen and, and uh, the uh, established GOP leaders and, and members, they're grappling with the fact that they're losing control of the GOP. and I think that is really, where you are right now is there's nobody that's really controlling the GOP because I remember one interview where um, Trump said he's not really a Republican, but it's the party he most aligns with and that there that he thought he could win the presidency through that platform.
1: Yeah, no, I can absolutely say it. And what we have now is the power struggle where we have, mcconnell romney and um ben sass out in nebraska for example all trying to kind of saying like hey like let's regroup and like figure out what the next move is then you have your jim jordan matt gates QAnon lady from georgia what have you all on the other side saying no 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 this is the exact direction we're taking and we're doubling down on you know, Donald Trump's kind of firebrand scorched earth view of politics. And it's it's odd, you know, because you're seeing a confliction to where all of a sudden values are they still kind of align in a weird way, but they're more arguing about how to go about the execution of well, those and, ideas or those agendas.
0: No, and, well, I was just going to say you're, you're yeah, right, God. but I think that one of the points that we have to pay attention to there is why are these guys jumping on the scorch the earth kind of bandwagon of, of Trump? And I, I think it's something that is a little bit more um, surface value versus um, deep down core value, which is for the first time in a long time, the Republicans are seeing passion from their constituents You know, they look at the Democrats and they look at the young, liberal, active protesters. And, you know, whether you like them or not, the Black Lives Matters and they get involved and they're they're energetic and they're out there campaigning. Like there's this young, energetic, democratic movement for this long period of time. And all of a sudden, the Republicans have this life that's been breathed into to them. And some of these guys are looking at it going. we need to keep this passion going. We need to keep this fire going. We need to, you know.
1: It's true, but I think where you're having, you know, where the public is starting to hit a crossroads, especially now after the inauguration is the way they were keeping that fire alive was just outright lying to their base, you know, telling them that there was election fraud, telling them that there was, things that they knew that weren't being released to the public and that's how they were able to sustain that momentum after donald trump lost in november up until the insurrection at the capitol was just you know this new brand of trumpism like they really established themselves as hey we're willing to tell our base whatever we need to as long as it keeps them active even if it is you know completely lying and then to the point where you even have people like romney who is a Republican on the Senate floor saying, you need to tell the truth, like you need to tell the truth to your constituents, like everybody in this room knows the reality, but you're lying, even though you know the truth. And that's where I think they're going to lose a lot of people as, you know, Republicans or what have you, if you believe Donald Trump won the election or not, you know, Joe Biden getting sworn into office, Really paints a pretty clear picture of how this all actually happened. You know, if you want to argue it, you can argue it, but it's over now. And it's that, you know, when people are starting to see that they have been lied to, that they were manipulated, if not straight up used you know, for their vote, even though they're now finding out that they, you know, these House of Representative members or elected officials don't really care about representing them. They just want to do whatever's going to make them most popular. That's going to turn off a good amount it, of it money. is.
0: And you know, that's that's the problem where I equate and I just came up with this and you know how I like analogies and everything. I'm always always trying to make analogies, but oh, I course. equate the Republican Party to my charcoal grill right now. I have put as much lighter fluid on that thing as I possibly can. And every time the flame gets a little lower, I try to get that flame up higher to maintain the flame. And now the flame is just going out and I'm out of, uh, I'm out of uh, lighter fluid. Yep. And and yeah, I think that's where, where exactly. you are. Trump is, <laughs> he's been silenced on the social media, but whether you like it or not, he, he has been. And
1: well, Republicans should like it as they're fans of free enterprise and the ability for uh, corporations to do what they please. Good, good point. So that's just the free and, market. But again, that's another piece of hypocrisy that they now want to get involved with what would be the free market and make sure um, public entities have to follow their rules, which, again, is another weird um, one in my but mind. Yeah, it,
0: it's. <laughs> i don't know where he there's no one to fan the flames right now and you have these guys that are trying to do it and they just yeah they just don't and have it
1: and it's like it. ted cruz and he they, just they so don't so have awkward. the charisma No. ted cruz is like everybody hates ted cruz even if you're a republican like you begrudgingly vote for him
0: you know i don't think
1: anybody actually likes him in any yeah. in any circumstance so you have him, you have Hawley, who is making a fool out of himself, you know, just doubling down, trying to continue to do that. Then you have Jim Jordan, who I bet you he'll try to run to replace the senator who announced that they won't be seeking reelection. And ultimately, that'll be a big test. You know, if Jim Jordan can become a senator out of Ohio that could push him into the spotlight for a future presidential run but there's also the chance that he gets blown out of uh that senatorship just because he actually has to face a statewide election rather just than his congressional district so it's all very interesting to see who the rising stars of the GOP will be when
0: they don't even know what they're again that's that's why you've got to really look at the the history of the GOP in order to understand what you truly because I I firmly believe some of these guys like Tommy Tuberville don't even know what they stand for so okay we've, we've agree, run right yeah. up against time uh, appreciate you guys listening uh to leaning middle again this week and th- definitely like us share us on whatever platform it is that you listen to us on and we will catch you guys next time
1: Yeah, we look forward to exploring the common ground and how we can keep both parties of our amazing political system healthy so our democracy can continue to live on another day.